regular AA meeting, but I've been in I've been in recovery for like 28 years, and I've had the privilege to go around and share. And as it says in AA, that we know but a little, and people will come after us to add on to it. So the whole basis. It's sort of like if you uh, were sick and you assumed you had a cold and you went and spent $300 on cold medicine, you got all the newest stuff and inhalants and everything like that, and you got a lot of handkerchiefs and you're all ready, and you would get maybe there'd be, you'd take it all and maybe there'd be a little relief, but not, you wouldn't get total relief because you mistook the diagnosis, you have the flu, yeah? So you called the flu a cold, and you tried to deal with it as a cold, and you didn't get as much uh, relief as possible because of a misdiagnosis. So humbly in AA, no one can diagnose that we're alcoholics or addicts. The addict and the alcoholic has to make the diagnosis. He or she has to come to a point where they realize their palace over alcohol and drugs, and that they're it says that your life has become unmanageable, but really, isn't the unmanageability produced by your trying to manage the life? I mean, to me, I was constantly trying to control every day, every few minutes. I had to control where am I going to get what I need. It was a constant workout to try to manage my way through a day of being an addict and an alcoholic. And I wasn't successful, basically. I ended up in, you know police stations and shit. It didn't work out. I managed. My managing was the such that when I managed my life, I led myself to a point of having to be managed by others. That's what happened to me constantly. So as And as the time progressed, it became more and more like that where I couldn't stay on the streets for two weeks without getting arrested or having taken me to a shelter or something like that. So this disease, if not seen clearly, the promises that we speak about in the book may not seem to come true for you. Yeah? So it says it that we have to get down to the exact nature of the wrong. And humbly, what I'm suggesting is that the root of the problem is identification as a self. Yeah, that sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, an historical action figure. Yeah, and the big book, I think, wittingly or not, Bill W. My belief is Bill W. had a huge download, and I believe the big book had, was inspired by a download. And uh, the big book is a living book. In other words, it triggers a lot of meaning based on where you're at, whoever the reader is. So it's like an incredible mine that you can you can take a lot, a lot of gold out of, yeah? It's not something to look at fundamentally and like literally. It's meant to trigger mind, big M mind, or awareness, or consciousness, or spirit, I like to call it, yes? So that book is read, and I read some of the things hundreds of times, and in many, many times, the thing I read, the same thing triggered new realizations or new downloads. To me, that's a living book. Yeah? So, in this book, 
Bill W., my humble feeling is that he actually, without knowing it or not, is pointing to the real culprit, where he says, they spend tons of pages talking about you've got to get out of self-centeredness, self, self, you know, all this stuff or it's going to kill you. So basically, they saw the manifestations of what defeated them, yeah? where many of us have lived under the manifestations of that which has defeated us, but the clarity about that which has defeated us, I think, gets lost, because the power of what's defeating us is really through disguise. It's actually presenting itself as us. Yeah? So when the alcoholism, when the parasite's talking to us, it's talking to us as us, yeah? Because if it was Stanley or Jim and your name was Paul or Peter, you wouldn't fucking listen to it for three minutes. You would, <laughs> you would see that it's insane, but because it has a sense that it's you, it gets through, yeah? We follow it. We, we have an interest. We're leaning into it, yeah? So its hardest part has already been completed. It's in the house. Now it can sell you whatever it fucking wants. Yeah, we don't see it because when it knocks on the door and we answer it and and we see it, we call it me. It it enters right in, enters into relationships and the most intimate secrets. It sees it all, and it uses it. It uses us it to convince us to lead us to a point that I like to call fuck it. Yeah. And when you reach that point of fuck it, your weeks of being in a program, your years of incredible evidence, it is, would be totally unwise for you to get loaded, gets overridden, and you get loaded again. And once it has you, then it just uses you for transportation. And a lot of times, many of us end up in places like this, if we're lucky. I ended up in the West Coast, a very similar place, for two years, yeah? It's not like we all sat around a coffee table looking at vacation spots we could travel in and then picking Delancey Street or Milestone. It doesn't usually happen that way. It usually happens that there's no other squares on the board of life. Yeah? I mean, you have no more moves left. I mean, it's a really dire condition. Not, and not even so much for what's happening for you, but what's not happening through you. Your life could be so much different. You could be useful to others. You could help others who are in the same plight that you and I have been in. You could be used. And there is a power that's greater than us that can use us in a lovely way. And we're very used to being used because the parasite of alcoholism and addiction has been using us for years. Surrender isn't a new concept. We've, surre we've surrendered to many things in life already. We surrender to the police. We surrender to our thoughts. We surrender to our feelings. And then they, they carry us. They take us away. And then consequences ensue, and we don't see any role that we had in it. Yeah, it's like, it's like almost, how did it possibly happen? How am I in that same place again? Because you did exactly the same thing you did when you first went to that same place. And it will keep on keeping on. And if you saw one of those invitations as someone other than you, you would close the door on that fucking parasite. But we call it me. And we sit and listen. And it leads us either quickly or slowly to fuck it. And then you're apt to do almost anything. It was. It'll suggest, ah, oh, let's fuck it. Let's leave this program. Or fuck it. Let's have a drink. Or let's go out with my best friend's girlfriend. Or do something 
just to create some fucking agitation that you'll want relief from. And then it says, well, have a drink. And once you have a drink, the drink has you. That's as simple as that. Yeah. I see it. I just was in Raleigh, North Carolina. And there was a facility I spoke at was bigger than this with the population, over 300 people in it. And same as everyone in this room. Same conditions, same situations, same consequences. All thinking we're separate and we've got it going on. You know, biding our time, knowing, oh, I can do what I want when I leave here. When the court, when the court signings are done, I'll be on my own once again. But you won't be. You'll be with the same fucking people in another institution. You know, or in jail. Our scripts have already been written out for us. It's all, all, the, all that changes are the dates, basically. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to go to where we've gone before. For me, it was institution, jails, and death. That was the three parking spaces I ended up at, at all the last few years of being out there. You know, and in most when I ended up in institution jails, I wish I would have ended up at death, really, because it was I've had enough. After you spend two years in a program like this, and then you go out and it, and it's worse than ever, it's pretty demoralizing. You know, you're giving it your best shot. You go to college. You know, you had the girlfriends for six months, you were cleaned up, maybe you had a bright little future, and then it's all flushed down a toilet again. It's quite demoralizing. And it's amazing that we're so resilient. But I believe, humbly, the parasite is very jealous. It only has one host. It's like someone only has one car. They've got to keep that car maintained somewhat so they can keep driving. <laughs> so the parasite doesn't fucking kill us. It just fucking drains us and keeps us kicked. You know, people I know, I lived in Haight-Ashbury, a very interesting section of San Francisco. And I was there my first six years of sobriety. And I'd go back there. I'm 28 years sober now. And the same people that were on the streets 20-something years ago are still on the streets. They got limps, abscesses, but they don't get killed. <laughs> they're, like, they're unkillable. They're like unbelievable. They're like cockroaches, two-legged cockroaches. You can't kill the fuckers. Yeah? Because I believe you're not going out easy with alcoholism. It's going to be a long, drawn-out affair, usually. Yeah? So there is a solution. That's the beautiful news. And my humble, you know, addition to it is I believe that how we're walking through the programs we're in, we're mistaking the real root of the problem. And it's just something I feel you deserve the right to hear. I'm not saying this is the way it is, but it's the way it was revealed to me by that grace or that spirit. And that it's actually an act of being identified as a self. It's not obsession with self. I really believe the obsessions with self, the obsession of the thought system with you as a body, are really there to reinforce the identification as that body. They're sort of like the glue the thought system has to keep applying because spirit and body never will bind. But if it's constantly applied, it will look like it's so. Yeah, And I think the thought system is the application of that crazy glue every day, all day. You have in supposedly some research 70,000 thoughts a day, some say 80,000 thoughts a day. Let's say there's only 4,000 thoughts a day. But most of them are about you, aren't they? I mean, the amount of thought about you surpasses any thought about any other topic in your whole life. 
maybe you're a Giant fan or a Steeler fan, the amount of thought you put in the Steelers is like zero 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 point one percent of all the thoughts you put on you. You're the you're your favorite team, <laughs> and you're wearing all the gear, you know, the fucking long sleeves to hide the, the tracks and all the whole thing. I mean, we're totally. And if you're if you love that one team, you know the other lovers of the team. So if you did the drugs I did, I know you did the drugs because I did the same shit. Like coke, you know. Cocaine is like an army. You can recognize other members of the same brigade, you know. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? You could pick them out. It was easy. Yeah, you had the eyes to see. We all had uniforms and looks. I know what they do. <laughs> I mean, it's funny in hindsight, but it sure wasn't funny going through it. You know, it's hell, really a hell. So the thoughts, to me, are how the identification as as self is assumed and implied and insinuated. And Bill W., there's new people here, which is great from last night. Bill W., knowing it or not, made a very clear statement. I don't know how mo- how it escapes us. In page 64, in the third paragraph of the book, when they're getting ready to go into the inventory process, he says, we have, to, we have to be convinced, which means to believe with certainty, yeah, that self manifested in various ways has defeated us. So if you hear that statement, obviously we're the us, yeah, like we're in this one camp called us, and then there's another camp called self, and self manifesting or appearing in a lot of different ways has defeated us. Yeah. What happens to me is alcoholism clouds the separation between self and us. I believe the us is taking itself to be a self. Yeah, and that's what allows the self to defeat us. Because it's talking to us as us. We don't see it as a salesman. We see it as us. We don't see it as Bill or Stanley. We see the thoughts as our thoughts and about me. And we give it a huge amount of authenticity, which it doesn't have. They're in fucking insane. They are. Bill, the works, uh, the AA Big Book actually calls it one complete statement. It's playing God. So when you wake up in the morning and the thought system tells you how the whole day is going to be before you even got into it, that's playing God. When it tells you you're a fucking loser, it's never going to get better, that's playing God. When someone says, I really, really want to get loaded, they think it's them saying it. It's the parasite saying it through them. The one who says, I don't want to be at this program. What you are truly wants to be at this program because it's its only fucking chance to get out from underneath what you're not. But what you're not is talking as you and you say, well, I fucked this program. The parasite doesn't want a solution to itself. It wants to claim the solution and neuter it. And that's what it does. So humbly, this sense of being when I'm not is produced. You didn't have it when you were a kid. It wasn't there unless you were in an abusive situation where the mental state had to become dominant to seem to protect you. If you grew up as a kid, in those periods when I was young, I wasn't trying to get into the moment. I had an entertaining, insane idea I could be out of a moment. 
I wasn't looking for retreats or meditation groups. Yeah? I wasn't going home and, you know, worried, will I be playing next week? I had no idea of next week. I wasn't asking my mother in my room to go over, How, was I playing good today, Mom? I think Wayne was having more fun than me, you know, at the, at the park. My mom, what? None of that was going on. We grew into this state. We grew into the mental state. And therefore, we can grow out of the mental state. We are not a mental state. We've grown into one. And as they say in recovery, the problem resides in the mind. It's in the thought system. It's in the memories. It's, it's jacked in there. It's infected it. Yeah? And it's constantly playing the role of counselor to you all day. It's telling you your opinion about Milestone. It's telling you your opinion about everyone in this facility. It's telling you it's a, your opinion of you. It's all doing it all day. And it's like a relentless radio station. And you can't seem to turn it off because it's the only channel you died in, dialed into. Yeah. If, if, if you are a true addict and alcoholic... The fact in your life is you're powerless over alcohol and drugs and you're not managerial quality. Yes? Now, you can be in denial of those facts, but it doesn't change the facts. The facts is you're powerless over drugs and you're not managerial quality. And in resisting that fact, what consequences or effects are going to be produced are going to be many. A lot of effects. Now, the same two facts, if acknowledged and, and accepted, they also produce incredible effects, quite different than when you're in denial of them. The facts aren't going to change. You're an addict, you know, you have addiction seemingly, and you're powerless over that shit, and you're not managerial quality. Now, you can be clear on that, and things go much, much better for you, or you can be unclear on that, and shit's going to fucking hit the fan. And you're going to be living in the hallway of shit and fans. Yeah? And you're not going to realize the hallway of shit and fans, it goes on or it gets triggered to go on. The fan goes on and the shit goes on when you enter the hallway of shit and fans. <laughs> so there's no real hallway of shit and fans without you in the hallway of shit and fans. You are the generator of the hallway of shit and fans. Now, when you're in denial of that fact, you find yourself constantly in the shit hallway of shit and fans, and therefore you have to run the gauntlet, and your idea, like for me, when I, had, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a marine biologist. Four years of active alcoholism, my idea of success would be not to be arrested. Now, that's a fucking... <laughs> that, my goals came down quite a lot in a very short period of time because that's what alcoholism does. It limits, it limits your possibilities dramatically. So the idea of getting out of the hallway of shit in France is never going to work. It's realizing... realizing that you were never in the hallway of shit and fans. That's where the solution lies. And the solution to me, alcoholism really is, is in recognizing that which is talking as you is not you. Because if it ain't you, you'll have a newfound ability not to listen to it. Yeah? And if you don't listen to it, you're going to start listening to something else. Let's say the spirit. 
Yeah? And the spirit doesn't talk through you or to you by thoughts. It can use it, but it talks more by intuition or sense or something. And now you have a new managerial system, a new GPS, and let's, let's judge the tree by the fruits. Let's see if you get closer to your true destinations by following the spirit than you do when you follow the mental state. And see. And if it works, keep allowing it to work. If it doesn't, fucking renew your membership to this GPS. Yeah? Which, and you'll end up at its three lovely, lovely insights, which is institution, jails, and death, inevitably. You're in one right now. <laughs> I mean, I hate to point it out to you, but you're in an institution, and you've probably been in jail. <laughs> and you've probably been around death. So, listen, it's not like let's make a deal. There's a fourth, you know, door and you get a trip to the Bahamas. No. You're in, a, you're in a, like an eternal playing of Monty Hall and the three doors and you got the fucking deals. Institution, jails, of death. <laughs> Roll the thing. Oh, landed on institution. You're the winner today. Oh, oh death. Bye-bye. We won't be seeing this contestant back. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like that. I mean, really, it's good to joke, but this is a serious situation because we're humbly overmatched. We have no, there's no mental defense against the first drink. If you're relying on the mind where the problem resides, you're probably incredibly infected by alcoholism and addiction. Because that's, that's its Petri dish. That's where it grows. Yeah? And it's going to use you and me for transportation. And we're going to be left holding the bag. When shit hits the fan, we're the one they arrest. So, in this book, he says it so clearly, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So self and us are very clearly separated, isn't it? Hear the sentence? Self and us. Different, totally distinct. Now how does self defeat us is the key. To find out how that self defeat us. You could say it's obsession with it, but there'd be breaks between obsessions. But there's no break if you're identified as it. You're taking yourself to be it all day. It has carte blanche. The obsessions is just the way it does defeat us. But the real, what allows the defeat to constantly happen is you're identified with the parasite. How are you going to get rid of something that you call you? Look at how people kill themselves. They usually blow themselves here because they like to put that fucking thing out. But if they, have, it, they can't see it being different than them at that certain point. So the whole thing has to go just to get relief from that. Wouldn't you like to see if something was driving you crazy and if that driving crazy could not stop because you were identified as it, can you imagine if you heard a new possibility? Hey, maybe I'm not that. Because as soon as that dawned on you, another possibility would become available. I can be free from it. Free from it. Like they speak about on page 84. This famous riff around the tenth step. This is like a quantum leap. 
says, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Which is, I love this statement because we've been fo- we've been searching for the old, just fucking the old ways of happiness and freedom over and over again. AA is going to provide a new possibility, a totally new one, not like another you know renovated one or, a re- or you know remade up freedom and happiness, but a whole new freedom and happiness. One that we've never even never even imagined could be so. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Basically, we will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And that is the most intimate thing. Because I, the last four or five years I was out there, when I reviewed my life, I saw no value in any of it at all. All I was was using every fucking person I came in contact with. Yeah? Five years. If I could have thrown it away, I would have thrown it away. I come into recovery, and what becomes the most valuable aspect of my whole life is those five years surrendered over to AA. It's allowed me to contact others with the same problem, to identify, to offer suggestions, to receive suggestions. It's the whole basis. It took what I called shit and made it fucking gold. Wouldn't you want to turn your will and life over to care of something that can do that? That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. You don't kill it. You don't vanquish. It just disappears. Just stay in AA. Stay on the operating table. Don't get up. Don't play the doctor. And a lot of your ailments will disappear. You don't have to point them out where they are. That power knows exactly what it's doing. It's seen many of us on the table. And it knows exactly how the operation is going to go. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Right? We will lose interest in selfish things. It doesn't say, lose interest in selfish things. It's not like an order. Okay, lose interest in selfish things. I, you lose interest. You know? That would be interest in selfish things. If you attempted to lose interest in selfish things, that would be selfishness. Self cannot get out of self. This is an effect. You're doing something else that produces this effect. You're following the program of recovery, and this is an effect of following the program of recovery. It is not an order or command that we're going to do. It's something you observe. You see the change. See, we're not, I, humbly, I do not believe I'm here to change my myself. What I'm here to do is be changed. That's what AA does. AA changes me. I stay under its influence and it changes me. This isn't about, oh, I'm going to get it all together and change my life. That's not the way it is. It's like, no, you surrender, you realize you're not managerial quality, and you submit to have your life changed. And as you see the results, you're going to be fucking pretty pretty happy because you're not in jail, you're not fucking in anywhere near the vicinity of pitiful, uh, incomprehensible, demoralizing, not not even close anymore. So That feeling of useless, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. It's not saying you're going to have to change your whole attitude or outlook. 
surrender the attitude and outlook you think you have right now, and this process is going to change it. And you're going to get it back. A whole new attitude and outlook. One that you couldn't even shop for because you've never seen the model. Ever. Yeah? You have no idea what you're truly looking for. But when, when it's given or offered and you find yourself there, you'll realize that's what I was looking for. Self-seeking will slip away. Again, all effects. All these are effects. Self-sleeping, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. All of those are effects. Of what? The program of recovery. Before the program, not one of us would be successful trying to produce these effects on our own. But they're produced through us when we're aligned with the program of AA, the spirit of AA. If we went and tried to do this, we'd fuck it all up. Yeah? But because we admit we can't do it, that's how it's done. So it goes here, down here. And then it goes, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. They keep coming, the effects. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, these are monumental. If you thought you did this on your own, you'd be patting your back for fucking ever. You'd be walking around, prancing around. You'd be starting your own program. Paul's way. (laughs) Paul's way. We're all going to produce no. But because humility comes from realizing something has done for you what you can't do for yourself, that allows it to keep flowing. Because our whole basis of the program is humility and, and anonymity, the whole thing. Humility is like you're not taking credit for something that's happening through you. And this whole program is happening through us. Just like the parasite has lived through us, the spirit will live through us. We're a possibility. One thing took us over. We've realized if that hasn't worked, we've now introduced something that will introduce our life to a power greater than the parasite, and then that, that power greater than the par- parasite will use us for transportation. Yeah. It will live life through us, just like the parasite did. And you'll see the difference. You watch people's faces when they go out. Their face changes dramatically. You saw them for a year. They were bright and shiny. Then they're fucking looking like, you know, they've had makeup for October 30th. They're, you know, sallow. They're fucking like rat eyes, you know. (laughs) You can't believe you knew them. One night, one drink. The parasite just waits. You, You give it its fucking, it's like an elixir. It rises from the dead because it's never dead. It's just latently available. You drink, it's up again. Here's Johnny. Yeah. We will. This is unbelievable. These effects. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. For me, it's been never. For twenty-eight years, never. Liquor and drugs would be such a downgrade compared to the high I'm in now that I cannot get pulled over for. I can't get arrested for, and I don't have to kiss anyone's ass to get any of it. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. These are not things you can do. These things are what you can express when a transformation has happened. That's what you express. You cannot do these things. You express these things. 
through what has been done to you. If tempted, we recall from it as from a high flame. We react sanely and normally. (laughs) And we will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. How much effort does it really take to lay on the operating table and to take simple suggestions? AA says you have to be willing to go to any lengths, but have any of us ever been really demanded to go to a great length in recovery? No. The whole key is if you're willing to go to any lengths. Usually you don't have, you're not called to go to any length at all. I'll tell you the truth. It's the willingness that's the key. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. This is unbelievable. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel, and everyone here who's had sobriety for a period of time must be very intimately recognizing this because we've gone over under the same effects. Everything it talks about in this book, about the problem and the effects of the solution, I have felt intimately. Every fucking statement of it. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor or drugs or any fucking thing else has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. This is a description of a true solution. This is a description of what a real solution looks like in this life. Most of us and most of the solutions that are being peddled around have nothing to do with a real solution. This is a real solution. Yeah. This is producing the goods. If you've had alcoholism and addiction and it was the most dominant influence in your life, it caused more mishap than anything else, and now it has seemingly no influence at all, that's a fucking damn good solution you've found. Yeah? And that's what it was like for me. When I was actively addicted and using, it dominated my whole life. Two years and three months in programs, months and months in jails, got run over twice in one night, ten months in hospitals, fifteen operations, disabled basically from 1980 on. These are all the effects of the program of addiction. <laughs> Being an addict in recovery. <laughs> if there was a book on it, this would have been this page in the program of addiction. Yes, you'll be run over twice in one night. You will go to multiple jails. You will be in detoxes for two and a half years. <laughs> wow, I want to sign up for this program. <laughs> Let me get to the next next page. You know, and tons of effects. Wow, wow. You're incapable of having a viable relationship with another person. Woo, that's great. Uh, <laughs> you'll be emotionally crippled, unable to receive or or express love. Oh, wonderful. I like that. You'll end up, this is one of its big wins, you'll end up being alone and right. Oh, wow. I love it. 
I love following that program. <laughs> Why do I sign up? Just go to the liquor store. You'll <laughs> be right back on page 85. <laughs> but it's a much longer book because there is no solution. It's just the effects of the problem. On and on and on and on. And on. <laughs> it's like five volumes. It'll be called your biography. That's what it'll be called. And you'll be one of fucking many. One of fucking many who follow the same program of addiction and non-recovery. <laughs> the one constant in both books, though, is rehabs. <laughs> you may be in one rehab in the recovery section, and the addiction may be 12 rehabs. <laughs> That's the only place they intersect. <laughs> so we will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us. Now, if this actually occurred to you, what would you think the appropriate response to would be? Wouldn't it be gratitude? Wouldn't you feel fucking grateful that something did for you what you couldn't do for yourself? And wouldn't that gratefulness inspire or move you to make yourself available to others in the same fucking predicament you've been in? Wouldn't it be appropriate if you knew where a, a, a bus stopped in hell that would take you out of hell? Wouldn't you sort of like to point out to people that were in hell, hey, that bus comes every day. Yeah, all you got to do is get on, and it'll take you out. Yeah, wouldn't you? I would think so. It's like if you see a good movie, don't you want to tell people you saw a good movie? I think it would be quite appropriate. So here, we are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. What an incredible solution. You know? In my case, it's way beyond incredible. Because most people have to fight the thoughts that tell them to drink and use. I don't have any thoughts ever, ever. It's been the easiest solution. I have nothing to do. I don't have a thought that tells me to drink. So I don't even have to fight anything. I mean, that's... See, so for me, humbly, and for us, the possibility is the, ex the problem may not... Ex it cannot exist as you. Right now, we can have an experience that doesn't exist for you, but the real relief is when it doesn't exist as you, and that's when you see that self is not you. That's where the real stabilized relief is. You know? And then you're a free-range alcoholic. Yeah? You're trucking around. I honor AAs like a hell, but I don't have to live in AA. Yeah? Yeah. So it goes again. Instead, the problem has removed. It does not exist for us. See, the problem has been removed. Hasn't been contained. Hasn't been managed. managed hasn't been, you know fought against, it's been removed. What an incredible solution, yeah? That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit, in fit spiritual condition. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe. Subtle foe. We are not cured of alcoholism. What we really have is a, is a daily reprieve 
Contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Now, what kind of maintenance would you have to perform if you were a spiritual condition? Wouldn't being a spiritual condition be the highest form of maintaining a spiritual condition? The mental state tells you you're a body, but the spirit implies and, and knows beyond knowing you're a spirit. If you see you're not the body and you recognize you're the spirit, that's the highest form of maintenance. And if that maintenance, which is being, is, a, is being, then you have that daily reprieve from alcoholism. What a solution. Yeah? So, humbly, well, that's my offer tonight, you know? It's the same offer I ever speak at AA things. I mean, I've seen so much suffering, and as they said, you know, we manufacture our own misery. Yeah? This is what alcoholics do. We live in a mountain range that are made up of molehills. Yeah? We, we perceive threats where there aren't any threats. We think we know shit we don't know. Yeah? There is a solution. So... I don't know if I want to go on any longer. That's good, is it? Yeah. So, let's leave it at that. So, oh, yeah. I was so I was hoping for a pause there, which would mean keep going. But I like that. Everyone very fast. No, we've had enough. Yeah. Very fast. Keep going. Yeah. But if you have any questions, humbly, I, you're more than happy as a, as a member of AA to another member of AA. Yeah. <coughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Right. I thought you were exempt from questions today. <laughs> you spent your limit last night. <laughs> I was kidding, but with a little bit of truth. <laughs> but that's what kidding is, isn't it? Very easy ones. Yeah. Why? Ones. Yeah. <laughs> this has to do with any meetings and this and uh, your experience with any meetings. And, um, why do the meetings live in the problem instead of the answer or the healing of uh, area? Some meetings don't do that. Yeah. Some meetings uh, speak from the solution about the problem, which is great. But what happens is a lot of us are in the problem talking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <coughs> So that's why it's important for most meetings, for like a lot of times it's great to have an old timer, yes, to be like a backbone, to hold the space in the meeting, because that person has expressed or experienced these effects, yeah? And that makes it very attractive. But there's tons of meetings. If you haven't found the right one, just keep looking. You know? Where I live, we have a lot of different meetings. I like step studies. I like them. We have meditation meetings. We have discussion. We have ID meetings. We have tons of them. And then you find ones that work for you, and then you attend. Do you have, like, 11-step meetings where you... Yes, we have 11-step meetings. Yeah, they seem to be my favorite. Well, there you go. 
But then again, it's good for you to go to meetings and be helpful and be available. Yeah? It's, it's someone who just came in, they can only speak about the problem from the problem. They haven't had a solution yet. Yeah? They're the most important members. Yeah? They're the ones that need a solution. And a lot of times, the way someone who's in, in the program who has a solution, the way they keep it is by giving it away. Anyone can run a perfect you know, program in their bedroom. It's out here, working with other alcoholics. This is the lifeblood of us, yeah? Because it's beautiful. It's a symbiotic relation. We're all patients, yes? And you in one day or one hour need to hear the message. I need to carry it. And then in an hour later, I need to hear the message and you need to carry it. So it's a very symbiotic... It's amazing. You ever see here of electromagnetism? Magnetism produces electricity. Electricity produces magnetism. So it just goes on infinitely. Well, this program, we somebody needs to carry the message and somebody needs to hear the message constantly. And it just keeps on keeping on. That's the lifeblood of AA. So you go to meetings. You go to newcomer. You go to beginners' meetings. You go to this meetings. And at beginners' meetings, you can make some suggestions. I think you could go, should go to a, a, a step study so they get an understanding of the steps, all this stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then some of the wisest things you'll ever hear in AA are from newcomers. Because something, a loving God is expressing itself through our group conscience. All we are are conductors. Yeah? We don't have the wisdom. The wisdom will come through us if we're willing to offer it and give it away. That's how we have everything in AA, is by giving it away. That's the deal. Yeah? How are you going to give it away up in your bedroom? You've got to come where the meetings are. You've got to meet newcomers. Sponsoring and sponsorship is vital. Yeah? And the, actually, the sponsor gets more out of it than the sponsee gets out of it. Because by, sh- by teaching, you learn. So by taking someone through the steps, you'll see a lot more out of the steps than when you first were taken through them. That's the beauty of it. It's a beautiful community. And look at it. Look at the recognition of the, se- the severity of the problem. You go anywhere in the world and there's AA. There's, where I live, there's 700 meetings a week. Churches don't have 700 fucking meetings a week. You go one day, one Sunday for an hour. Yeah? Because their situation is almost like passive. Ours is fucking active. The problem resides in the mind. We're seemingly under attack all day. And we need manipulated pauses to give us a little break. Because you'll be steamrolled on your own. But if you come to a meeting, that all your little fucking little plan and design will be derailed. And if it's not enough, you go three hours later, there's another meeting. And then it's, it's picking up speed, but it gets derailed. And then you go to bed, and the next day so you see things differently, and you're not looking from a jail cell. Yeah? You're not up on stalking charges. You're not something. It's like, fuck, nothing erupted. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes? The pause is the key. The pause, the spiritual condition is the pause. That's your that's your that's what you are. When you finally show up in life, what what you're not, what it calls it is the pause. That's us. That's us a spirit. The pause is what allows things that are so in a, such a habitual rut to go a different way. 
It's the pause that changes everything. And everyone in AA knows what it is because we've had it. You've felt it. Yet you've sensed it. Some of us more than others. But we all know we're intimate with it. That's the spirit finally showing up in our own life. If you're an addict and alcoholic, I'm humbly telling you, you're fucked. <laughs> Simply. You're fucked. I don't give a shit what you think you got going on. I've seen master people thinking what they knew was going on. And they're fucked. We're overmatched. It's the we that gives our first fundamental platform. The we gives us the possibility because we have strength in numbers. Yes? And then you grow in your own strength in the giving of it to others because it's not your own strength. It's a strength that's being given to you. And it's not for your fucking purpose and your use only. It's for you to be used. This program, in my view, is based on surrender and it's based on you're being led instead of leading. You're being directed instead of directing. You're being changed instead of changing. That, to me, is the attitude. That's how it moves in my life. Yes? It's moving through. It's not coming from me to you. It's moving through. And you sense it. You feel it. You feel the Spirit. It's presence. Like it says in the book, in page 60-something, you'll feel the conscious presence of the Spirit. You'll feel a new power flow in. This is, this, I've had this, I have that sense, I know it. Yeah? Everything it described in this book has, is intimately available to me. And it's not because of me, it's because of the book. Yeah? Any one of us will have it and you'll express it in your own unique way. We can all be under a new management team. Yeah? Yes, yes. Yep. Scott, um, you were talking about self and spirit when you were t- talking about not listening to self but listening to spirit. Yes. Is that something that you work on or is that something that just comes? No, you recognize it. And how do you recognize <coughs> spirit from self? By recognizing self. But self always operating like, like I see self operating from ego... Uh, well, see, that's, that eye that sees it, that's what you are. And what about guilt? It's a product of thinking you're the doer. Uh-huh. You haven't forgiven yourself. You haven't gotten the first step. We haven't seen that we were powerless over alcohol and drugs. When we were under the influence, it's like that old example. You were dancing with a gorilla, you're going to stop when the gorilla wants to stop. Yes? The selfing doesn't see that. The selfing does, it constantly casts you as a doer of all the insane shit. So it's constantly harvesting guilt and shame out of your past behavior. But was it your behavior actually? Or was it the behavior of the self manifesting through you? Because it looked quite familiar to other fucking alcoholics and addicts' behavior. Yeah? <laughs> That's where the, you really let off the biggest hook. And I had it as an experience in AA the first year. First year, went over to my friend's house. We used to drive motor- ride motorcycles. And we had a girlfriend each, you know. And we went to this place. And I was trying to impress this new girl. 
my first fairy princess in the end. And he had his girl. <laughs> we got to his place, and there was a staircase, and we were going to go up to his apartment, you know, and be uncomfortable, basically, your first year. <laughs> quite awkward. But hey, we were trying to connect, you know. Yeah. <laughs> really, we weren't that, it was hard, difficult. A lot of coffee drinking, and, you know. <laughs> so we went upstairs. And as we were going up the stairs, a woman went by, and she had paint, paint on her blue jeans, and then my, room, my friend said hello to her. And so he went up to his place, and then he forgot something at the bike. He went down, and he came back up, and he says, hey, my neighbor wants to talk to you. And I thought he had told her I'm a house painter, because I was, and I, you know, because she looked like she was painting something. I was going to give her advice. So she comes into <laughs> the, the living room, where we're all sitting, and she says, hello, Paul. Don't you remember me? And I didn't. And she says, you owe me $500. <laughs> he had gained a lot of weight. I didn't recognize him. And, you know, and what happened is, of course, you would have felt in the old days that if I had done that, I would have felt that guilt and shame come over to me. And even more so because I'm trying to impress somebody. But it didn't, none of it came up because I had gotten that this was a disease. The first year, I got it. I got it. I was convinced. I believed with certainty that I would do anything to anybody unless you physically could stop me. Because I was taken over. I was taken over by the parasite. Yeah? So the guilt and shame didn't arise. And then I, then I started sending her checks to pay her, and I signed every check, and I said, the only reason why you're seeing this money is I'm in AA. <laughs> really. And I paid her the $500. But I had no guilt or shame on that behavior because I was apt to do anything under the influence. That's forgiveness. And that's the part of the first step a lot of us are missing. We're not letting ourselves off our own hook, you know? We're beating ourselves up for what we think we did. But really, in one sense, we had no choice. That thing's is a power greater than us. Addiction's a power greater than us. It takes us over like that. Yeah, it has to express, so it uses us. So, yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah, if you really look at the first step, a lot of the guilt and shame that's still lingering could be cleared up if you saw the first part of it. And then the second part is actually the most active role of addiction now is managing. The alcoholism is constantly still trying to play God. Yeah, It's broadcasting as if it's God. And if you have, don't have any relief from that, you're going to take it to be you talking to you. But it's not you talking to you. It's alcoholism or addiction talking to you. Why is it so busy trying to convince you? If it was you, would it just do what it was wanting to do? Why does it have to talk you into doing it? There's something other than it. But we don't know that. We don't have a, a real touchstone of being spirit yet. You need to, like when my friend says where I live, he was misintroduced to God when he was a kid. And AA reintroduced him to God. And I like that way of saying it. Yeah? AA reintroduces you to God, not as a vengeful, painful, fucking punishing thing, but as a, a life support, a force coming through you, moving you, using you in really lovely ways. Look at this. What a lovely event a junkie from Long Island gets to do. Really. Start crying about it. I mean... You know, it's been using me. You know, who would have thunk, really? Yeah. 
to what a thump. You know, you think from where you were. Like we, I said it last night. We had a good thing we did our first year in San Fran. The people, the sponsors, would always have us write down what we, what do we want in one year of sobriety, and then we'd go over it after a year, and we all severely shortchanged ourselves. Life had given us so much more. Sobriety had given us so much more than we could have expected or hoped for. Wouldn't you want to have that? Wouldn't you want the third step to be more like this? Instead of a higher power of its of your own understanding, wouldn't you love it to be a higher power of its own understanding that you surrender to? That would be revelatory. Because its view is much larger than yours. Why would you want to fucking see it through a window, a mental window, when you could see it, you could allow it to see you from where it is? Why does it have to always stay exactly as it's written? The spirit of the third step can change as you grow to a point is I'm surrendering this life over to the care of a higher power of its own understanding. I don't want a power of my understanding. That severely limits what it can do. I want a power of its own understanding. That works. So, yeah. That's it, eh? Yes? Hey, thanks. I'll be, hopefully I'll be back. Hey, wait a minute. We're also going to be in Morristown tomorrow night at a just sort of different flavor of a meeting, 7 o'clock, because there's another uh, aspect of all this it's called non-duality. It's not appropriate to bring it into here as much, but it's, we'll be doing more of a talk on that tomorrow night because it's a different type of group. What's the location? Uh, it's in the website on Zen Bitch Slap and uh, just if you heard of zenbitchlap.com that's our website we have an event page and it's on there tomorrow night in Morristown that's not far from here is it? it's at 7 o'clock yeah and we have some books back there they're not linear books they're they're, they're a, a crude attempt to bring you to where you never left you know <laughs> during the day and then there's some shirts and bitch slap shirts I don't know how many left there are but uh, partake yeah. of course I'm charging but yeah partake <laughs> I gotta <laughs> support the lavish lifestyle so I've become accustomed to it yeah. <laughs> so alright well then you want to end with a prayer today yeah let's end with the serenity prayer right so the wee version of the serenity prayer and remember that there's a loving God expressing itself through our group conscience this is the group conscience um what is it? The serenity prayer. God, God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works. It works. How we do it? Oh, Jesus, that's right. That's right. I gotta keep it up. I'd rather have short hair, but.
I follow as well. Hey, what's up?